Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. Uh, before I really uh, jump into my uh, talk this morning, I want to uh, invite you to pray with me about something. Uh, a really, really good friend of mine uh, is the pastor of Next Level Church in uh, Fort Myers. And uh, Matt and his team there today are leading them as they uh, take a step forward. They're a couple of years older than we are and uh, running almost a thousand in attendance. And they are uh, getting ready to acquire their first uh, piece of property, a first permanent home. And they're taking a big offering today. Uh, in their church to make that possible. So I just want to pray for them. They have had such a huge impact in that community in Fort Myers, and I just want to pray that God will continue to bless them. So let's do that. God, I thank you for uh, the impact that Next Level Church has had in Fort Myers. And God, I thank you for their heart for you and their heart to serve your people and to love people. And God, as they take this uh, really big step forward for their future, I pray, God, that you would pour out your blessings on them today. God, that in ways that are even beyond what they have dreamed and imagined, you would pour out your blessings. You would increase their opportunities to serve people. You would increase their impact in the community. God, you would just take everything they have done these last several years and leverage that for the future, for your glory, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, um, a week or so ago, I uh, got a new uh, cell phone. Uh, not a big deal, but it kind of moved me closer to being in the current decade. Um, it actually has a keyboard on it, and so I'm texting more often now because I can do it more quickly than when I had the old style, and it just was way too complicated for me. But the, about a day after I got this phone, um, it rang, and I noticed that I have a really cool feature on this phone that I don't think I've ever had on another phone. When my phone rings, there is something that comes up on the screen, a word and an option that I have that says, ignore. I thought, how cool is that? Now, I wouldn't do it, of course, to any of you, but there are phone calls that I get that I think that is exactly what I want to do. I choose to ignore. Have you ever been in a store and uh, you come around the corner and you see down the aisle somebody and you think, I do not have the energy for that person today. And so what do you do? You quietly sneak around to the next aisle, choosing to ignore them, and then you come back to that aisle later. Or you ever been in a restaurant and across the way you see somebody that you recognize and think, I don't want to talk to them today, and so your intent for the rest of that meal to make sure that you never look in that direction because you don't want to make eye contact, if you make eye contact, you'll have to go over and talk to them, and so you choose to ignore them. Now, Dad, maybe you've done this. Uh, I might have done this at one time or another. When your kids were babies and the baby begins to cry during the night, now you make a choice to ignore that. You act like you're asleep and you don't hear it. Maybe you give another fake snore or two, trying to convince your wife that you're asleep. This whole thing of ignoring, I think it starts evidently pretty early in life. Our kids seem to do pretty well at it, don't they? They practice some selective hearing you know, they can be in another room and we say something to them and they don't hear it at all and then we say something else and boy, they instantly respond. I think the reality is they chose to ignore us the first time. You see, we're really good, really good at ignoring. In fact, we're pros at ignoring. In fact, we've gotten so good at it that sometimes we make the choice to ignore Jesus. We ignore His power that He wants to use in our lives. We ignore His Word that gives us navigation, through, helps us navigate through life, and we, we rarely pick it up to read it. Some of us are ignoring His forgiveness, and because of it, we're living in a constant state of guilt about things we've done in the past. Some of us, we ignore His direction for life. We think we know how to do it better, 
And we end up living with the consequences of our choices. We ignore His promises. And we live without hope. We ignore Jesus at times. But here's what I hope to accomplish over the next few weeks. I hope over the next few weeks to give us a fresh look at the Jesus of the Bible. Especially the Jesus of the final week of His life before the crucifixion. Because I think when we look with fresh eyes at who Jesus really is, it becomes difficult in our lives to ignore Him. I want to focus in today on the first event in this last week, which is often called the Passion Week. It leads to His crucifixion and His death and His resurrection. On Sunday of this week is what is often called the Triumphal Entry into Jerusalem. It's recorded in all four Gospels, and you saw Hollywood's take on what that might look like in the video that we showed with Jesus coming into that crowd of people. I don't know if that's exactly how it happened, but I know there were massive amounts of people who gathered there. It happens in Matthew chapter 21. And so if you brought your Bibles today, I encourage you to take it out right now and open it up to Matthew 21. I want you to follow along with where we are. In fact, here's my encouragement to you over the next few weeks. Start in Matthew 21 and read all the way to the end of Matthew. You'll get through this whole week and you can probably do it even once a week or several times over the course of these next few weeks. Because I want you to really uh, kind of soak yourself in these stories and the impact they can have on our lives. If you don't have a Bible, on the tables as you uh, came in this morning, there are some Bibles. Pick one of those up as you leave. It's our gift. Take it home. Keep it. And the next time you come back to uh, be with us, uh, bring it with you so that you can follow along. Now let me give you a little background on Matthew chapter 21 while you're looking for it, and then we'll dive into this event in Jesus' life. This is uh, the beginning of the Passover feast, a long period of celebration of the Passover from the Old Testament. And people made a pilgrimage to to Jerusalem during this time. In fact, uh, historians say that the population in Jerusalem might have as much as tripled during this time. There could have been as many as two million people in the city of Jerusalem. I'll tell you, the city is abuzz with excitement. And Jesus is making His way to the city as well for Passover. He starts off in Jericho and begins to make His way through the city to the city. And that's where we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 21. As they approached Jerusalem, verse 1, and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Now, Bethphage is a city on the Mount of Olives, probably an elevation about 2,600 feet. And from that elevation, you could look from the Mount of Olives down into a beautiful view of the city of Jerusalem. And Jesus stops in this, with this view of the city of Jerusalem. And here's what happens. Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say, The Lord needs you, and He will send them right away. Now, you know, I don't know if I, as I read this story, whether Jesus just knew in advance that if they went and they'd find these donkeys and nobody would argue with them, or if somehow He had made some arrangements ahead of time with the owner of these donkeys securing their use for this day. Either way, this is why it happened. Verse 4 tells us, they took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Hundreds of years before, the prophet Zechariah and the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament said that this event would happen. And here's how they described it in verse 5. Say to daughter Zion or to Israel, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, the fact that he's riding on this young colt, this young donkey, is very significant. Because in this time, it was the culture 
that when a king made a victorious entrance into a city, he always made it on a colt that had never been ridden before. And so Jesus, by riding on this colt that probably had never been ridden before, is making a statement that I am entering as a king into the city of Jerusalem. Verse 6, The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of Him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Now, Hosanna is an interesting word here. It literally means to save or to save us. And scholars think that this word was used both as a word of prayer and a word of praise. That in a sense, the people were on this day crying out, saying to Jesus, please save us. And at the same time, they were acknowledging that He was the Messiah. He was the one who would save them. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, you know what? This event was all about proclaiming Jesus as King. Now, there were some people in the crowd on this day that thought that Jesus' kingship was going to extend to being an earthly king and He would somehow deliver them from the rule of the Roman Empire, which they hated. Now, that wasn't Jesus' intention. But they were correct when they realized that Jesus would be king. That Jesus would be king over all of creation. That Jesus was king over the universe. That He was the king of all kings. And this this gathering was really a worship gathering. This was an event all about worshiping Jesus for who He is. The, the palm branches, the, the shouts, the honor, the clothes on the ground. It was all about worshiping Jesus. And you know what? They were correct in their worship because Jesus, more than any king ever, previous or past or to come, deserved to be worshiped. So today I want to take a few minutes and look at their worship. Because I think when we get to the point that we really worship Jesus, it is difficult for us to ignore Him. So I want to see some lessons. There are three lessons here that I want to unpack from their worship of Jesus that I think help us to understand how it is that Jesus would invite us to worship today. And if we worship in this way, it will be difficult to ignore Him. Here's the first lesson I notice in this story. The crowd worshiped because they had been with Jesus. When you read Luke's account of this very same story in the Bible, he adds a very interesting detail to the story. In Luke chapter 19, verse 37, it says this, as they reached the place where the road started down from the Mount of Olives, here's an important phrase, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all of the wonderful miracles they had seen. You see, Luke's very careful here to point out the fact that these people had been with Jesus that many of these people in the crowd this day at some point had made the choice to step across the line and to decide, I am going to follow Jesus. They had seen with their own eyes His miracles and His majesty and His power. They had heard with their ears His wisdom as He taught. They had been following Jesus. In fact, many of the people in this crowd probably were there on the day when Jesus stood before Lazarus' tomb when he, after He had died. 
and brought Lazarus back from the dead. Some of them probably were with Jesus on this very day as He went through the city of Jericho. He healed two blind men. They had been with Jesus and they worshipped Jesus for who He was because they had been with Him. And in our lives, it takes us spending some time being with Jesus. Real worship happens when we recognize in our lives His majesty, His compassion, His wisdom. And we see that reality. I don't know where it is for you, but for me, it's in the mountains. You know, that place where when you're there and you're captured by the scenery that you see, you feel closer to God. And maybe for you it's at the ocean. Or maybe for you it's a green prairie. Maybe it's in the city somewhere. Maybe it's a park. Wherever it is, I want you to think of that place, that moment that makes you feel closer to God. And then ask yourself, why is it that in that place I feel closer to God? And I think the answer is this. Because in that place, we pause our life for a moment and we recognize the grandeur of God. In that place, we sort of step aside from all of the distractions of life. We stop ignoring God and we see Him for who He is. And that's really what worship is all about. You see, worship is not about what's going on in my life or how good my life is going or what God has done for me lately. Worship is about who God is. And in the majesty of those moments when we pause life, and we see His majesty and power, we see who He is. In our uh, life group a week or two ago, a couple of weeks ago, we were having uh, some discussion. Uh, honestly, I don't remember what we were discussing, but one of the guys in the group uh, shared this model prayer that I used to use all the time. It's called Acts, and it's just a simple way of remembering things we ought to pray about with God. The A stands for adoration, C for confession, T for thanksgiving, and S for supplication, or asking things from God. And as he was talking about this model, it hit me so hard. I realized that my personal prayer life over the last few months has become largely about working my way through a list of things that I'm asking from God. I have a long list. Some for me, a lot of things that you guys have asked me to, to pray about, and I try to work my way through these lists of things every day, and I realize I haven't been taking time to just adore God, to recognize in my life who He is. And I don't know how He's been doing since that point, but since He brought that up in life group, I've been taking more time every day just to adore God, to be reminded of who He is. You know, when I look at Christ followers in the early church that's talked about in the book of Acts in the Bible, I see in their lives that there was a regular daily habit in their lives that I think is very significant. It says this in Acts 2.42. Talking about early Christ followers, he says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, or the equivalent for us today would be they were reading the Bible, and to fellowship. They had relationship with other Christ followers. To the breaking of bread, taking time to remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, and to prayer. Now, when you think about all of those actions, they are actions which help a person to reflect on who God is and how He is at work in our lives. And that was a regular habit for them. And the next verse is very insightful. 
Because I think it's a direct correlation between that regular habit of reflecting on who God is and what it says in verse 43. It says this, everyone was filled with awe. There was this sense of awe about God in their lives. Why? Because they were taking time every day to reflect on who God is. You see, worship is not a once a week event that happens in this room. Worship is an everyday event that happens in our lives. And it happens when you and I set aside a few minutes to reflect on who God is, to read our Bible, to pray. And as that becomes a regular part of our lives, as we worship Him regularly, it will grow more and more difficult to ignore Jesus. Here's another thing that I notice about their their worship. Second thing is their worship was centered. Their worship was centered. When, when I read this story, it is obvious to me that the center of attention on this day is Jesus. It was all about Him. I think the anticipation level of what Jesus was going to do was sky high in this moment. I think some preparation had gone into this event. When you read this same story in Mark, Luke, and John, I get the picture that these branches that they're waving, some of them were cut from palm trees, and some of them they had to go out to the, to the field and retrieve. I don't think it was a spur-of-the-moment kind of thing. I think there was preparation that went into it. There was preparation and anticipation and a focus on Jesus. I want you to picture in your mind the last big wedding that you went to that was in a church. Now, as you think about that, that wedding, maybe it was somebody that you were close to, somebody that you cared about. I want you to think about being in that environment and all of the preparation that went into it. And then think about that moment when those doors open and the bride walks down the aisle. I mean, I'll be honest. I've been to some weddings where I have to fight back the tears. I've been in weddings where I just feel so much joy over what's happening. And you probably have experienced that same thing in those moments. You know what? There's preparation that goes into that, if you think about it. I mean, picture that wedding. Most people in our culture today still get to weddings a little bit early. Most do. And when you get to a wedding, you go in and there's somebody dressed usually in a tuxedo that stands at the door and escorts you to your seat. And then they have music playing that's appropriate for the occasion and kind of sets the mood that they want. And then a few minutes before the wedding actually starts, the grandmothers are ushered to their seats, the grandparents. And then, and then it's the mother's turn and they're ushered down the aisles and sometimes they go up and they light some candles. And then the, the bridesmaids come in, usually one by one, and they walk down the aisle in their beautiful dresses. And then they send in the cute little flower girl and the ring bearer and they make their way down the aisle. And the anticipation has built. The preparation has built. I mean, after all, we all know that the wedding's all about the bride, right? I mean, unless you are the parents of the groom, it's all about the bride. And you know what? When we get together in worship, it's all about Jesus. It's all about focusing our attention on Him. But in that wedding ceremony, there is that moment. There is this anticipation, the preparation. Everybody's in their place. The music changes and those back doors swing open and enter the bride enters. And it sort of takes your breath away, doesn't it? 
It is a beautiful moment for which there has been great preparation, great anticipation. Here's what usually happens when we think about getting ready to worship. We sleep in until the last possible second. And then we get up and we hurry around the house trying to to get ready. We throw everybody in the car and we literally speed to church. And there's probably some arguing that's going on as we're speeding to church. Then if you get here, you, you come in and you haven't had time to feed your kids breakfast, and that's okay. You go to the cafe and you feed them breakfast, and then you get your kids all checked into Kid Point, and then you stroll into the auditorium. A few minutes, sometimes a lot of minutes, after the worship experience has begun. No preparation. No anticipation. No time to focus on Jesus. You see, really worshiping Jesus is about censoring our minds, about focusing our attention on Him, about preparing that He might actually want to do something in my heart as I worship Him. It's about not ignoring Him. What would happen? What would happen if next week you decided you were going to get up a half hour earlier And you were going to get everyone ready, get in the car, maybe not even speed, like actually drive here legally. You'd still go out and feed your kids at the cafe. That's a great thing. And you'd take your kids to Kid Point into their classes. And then you'd get into this room five minutes before it actually starts. And you'd spend that time anticipating, preparing, censoring your minds on Jesus getting ready and identifying that, you know what? God might actually want to do something in my heart today as I celebrate the King that Jesus is. Let me give you an exercise that you could do. Maybe if you come next week and give this a try. Or you could do it sometime this week. Get a sheet of paper. And on that sheet of paper, just begin to write down all of the names and phrases and ideas that come to your mind to describe God and If you want to do it over the period of several days, carry it around with you. And every time a new word or phrase or thought comes to your mind, jot that down as a way of centering your mind in on who God is. As a way of worshiping Him, not just when we come together, but worshiping Him every day for who He is. Here's the third thing that I see. third lesson here was that the worship was uninhibited. It was uninhibited. This was a massive celebration of the majesty and power of Jesus. And if you really get the picture of what happens here, I mean, they are shouting and singing and screaming and they are waving palm branches and they are putting, taking their cloaks off and putting them on the ground and they're waving their arms. And I'm telling you, by our standards today, this was worship that was way out of control. Way out of control. Now, I know our worship starts with our head and our focused attention on who Jesus is. But you know what? Real worship also involves our heart, our emotions. It is not just a head action. It is a head and a heart action. And sometimes we have made worship all about the head, all about knowing knowledge. And we haven't let it get to our hearts. And we haven't allowed ourselves to freely express to God, both in our times individually and our times when we are together, the emotions that we feel because of our King 
who is Jesus. A king that is to be celebrated. In fact, I, I want to apologize to you this morning. Because I realize as I was studying this week, I have done very little teaching over the last four plus years about worship. And that was not fair of me as leader here to not have taught more openly and carefully and often about what is supposed to happen in worship in our lives. Because if we really understood worship and we lived it out every day, it would be difficult to ignore Jesus. I also realized maybe I owe God an apology. Because I know that there have been times as we gather here together to worship, that I, it's almost like God, in the midst of that worship, I have felt like, you know what, I just ought to fall on my knees before God. But I don't do that because I always think, ah, people think I'm weird. Who's going to come to a church where their pastor acts like that? You know, I think he's like falling off the deep end. They might come in with a white coat. Yeah, I don't know. But I have felt like, you know what, I, I have to be careful about how I express myself. And so today, so today, I want to remove the obstacles, real or perceived, that may stand in our way in this place and when we worship individually by ourselves, that stand in the way of us really expressing our hearts to God. So let me just be clear. It is okay to sing loudly, even if you're like me and can't carry a tune. It is okay to lift your hands and surrender and worship to God. It is okay to sit silently. It is okay to kneel before God whenever God might prompt you to do that. It is okay to jump around a little if that emotion is what controls you. It is okay to cry when our, we feel that in our emotions. It is okay to stay in this room for a while after the worship experience concludes if you think that you're still meeting with God and you're not finished expressing your worship to Him. Just stay. That would be okay. It's okay to express yourself and your emotions in worship. Now, the Bible says that our worship should be done decently and in order. And so I think there is some common sense about all of that. I don't think that you suddenly should feel the urge that you would shout your praise to God throughout the time that I'm trying to teach. That wouldn't work so well. I would ignore you. And you know what? If uh, When we're in the, the quietness of communion and remembering the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, that's probably not the time to, to get up and jump around. But with some common sense, we ought to feel some freedom to express ourselves in worship before God. You see, here's the thing. If we will center our lives on who Jesus is, if we will take time in our lives, both when we are together and individually, to sort of stop, to pause life, and to recognize His grandeur, if we will get to the point that worship is not just what we know in our head, but it is a clear expression of our heart, then we will begin to worship in a way that you cannot ignore Jesus. You see, He is. He is a King to be celebrated. And He is the Jesus that you cannot ignore. God, I thank You for who You are today. 
You are our King. You are the one that we celebrate. And God, I pray, and I would ask You, over the course of the next few minutes, that You would allow us to express both our heads and our hearts to You. That God, as we worship You in these next few moments, You would remind us of who You are and how You are working so powerfully in our lives. God, would You help us in these next few moments to put aside all the distraction that is to center our attention, our focus on You and who You are. God, would You break down the walls that sometimes keep us from really expressing ourselves and let us freely express who we are and our love for You. God, would You just bless what happens here over the course of the next few minutes. God, I I pray that we'd be open that if You, through Your Spirit, decide to show up at some of our seats individually and work in our hearts, God, that we'd be open to letting You work on our lives. Father, I say, come through Your Spirit and touch us in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.